Good morning. Hope everybody's doing good today. Thank you, Vicky, for that beautiful music. Hey, good to have each of you here with us today. If you're visiting with us, we're we're thankful to have you, and we ask that you please come back and visit with us. If you're, uh, if this is your first time, if you would, we have uh, connect cards in front of you there in each pew. If you would fill that out, and you can just leave it in the pew, or you can uh, give it to one of us at, after the service this morning. But we're glad to have you here. We're glad each of you are here. It's a beautiful day today. Uh, if you're uh, if you're giving the offering this morning, this is for the ones that uh, home church. We just ask that you can uh, turn that in to the box back in the back. You can uh, go online and give to Cypress Street uh, Church slash Give or you can uh, turn it in to one of us and we'll be glad to take care of that. It's a beautiful day. We got a good rain yesterday morning early, cleared everything out, and then the sun come out and we had a good pretty day yesterday. So it's good to have each of you here today. I've got a few announcements. Uh, we've got a meeting with the leadership team today at two o'clock. The business team and the search team will be meeting with uh, Brother Ray Owens here at uh, 2 o'clock this afternoon. And uh, Brother Ray is going to be here this morning speaking with us. Uh, he may be running a little bit late. I'm not bringing this service this morning, though. No. But he, he will be here just in a few minutes, I'll assure you that. If not, We'll get Mike up here. He'll do a good job. Let's see, we've got, I'm gonna go ahead and we've got some prayer requests. If you would continue to uh, remember Kathy Hathaway, uh, just uh, keep her in your prayers. She's having some problem with her heart. And uh, also Pat Eads, she's uh, still having some problem with her pacemaker. Just re keep her in your prayers. And then my Ken McConnell, uh, he still has not been able to start his uh, treatments. His uh, plate level levels are not high enough where he can start that. So just keep him in your prayers. He's getting a little bit of courage on that. Pray for our leadership and the business and search team. Uh, just remember, we want to be making some decisions, and so keep us in your prayers with that too. Also, our our country, our leaders, a lot of stuff's going on throughout the world, but we know God has control of it. And before I forget it, it's good to have the people that's online with us this morning to uh, be online, and we just, uh, if you have any comments, you can put those in there. But it's good to have each of y'all with us this morning. I'm going to read a scripture from 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 3, 13, 4 through 7. 
Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boost, boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of, of wrongs. Thank God for the love, the, great, the greatest love is out there that He has given each of us. And again, it's good to have each of you here this morning. And I'm going to ask a prayer, and then I think we're going to see a video for Ron and Jean Cody, the missionary that's in uh, Turkey. So if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. Thank you for the privilege to come back out to your house to worship today. Thank you for the love that you have for each of us. And we just ask that you be with us. Just help each of us to, to do your will, Lord, to seek your will that you have for each of our lives. Thank you again for each one here this morning. And we just ask you to be in our service. Ask all this in your name. Amen. If you're able, would you please stand as we sing our first song, Holy Spirit, Thou Are Welcome. standing as we sing the next song I see the Lord seated on the throne exalted and the train of his robe fills the temple with glory and the whole earth is filled with his glory
train of his robe fills the temple with glory and the whole earth is filled and the whole earth is filled and the whole earth is filled with his children may go to children's church. I've just got a couple of things. We've got a new church directory, so if you didn't get that, let us know and we'll get one of them to you. But I think these just come out in the last week or so. So if you'll get with one of us, we'll be glad to help you with that. Also, uh, next Sunday at 10 a.m. is going to be our Faith Promise Sunday. Brother Carvin Adams is going to be uh, speaking with that. So. Some of you may have got uh, some information this week in the mail. I think that was sent out uh, on the Faith Promise, so uh, we'll have that next week at 10 a.m. And today, Brother Ray Owens is with us. Brother Ray, good to have you. I thought Mike was going to have to take over the sermon this morning, but well. We're waiting on you. Good to have you here with us. <laughs> you know, the Bible says to be ready uh, in season and out of season. So I told him I was going to have uh, have each of you uh, prepare a point this morning to speak. See, how would that be if I said, okay, what's the first point? What's the second point? We'd at least read the scripture. We'd at least have Nick read the scripture this morning. What a day. If you're ever running late, by the way, how many of you know that you're going to get behind Grandma? In a 1982 LTD. Probably got 12,000 miles on it. And it took two years to get those 12,000 miles, too. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. A lot going on. Good to see you. And uh, I want to just have a word of prayer. I've got a couple burdens on my heart this morning. Uh, 
and a little physical need, but especially a church and a pastor going through a struggle as we speak. So if you would just bow with me. Father, so much on our mind, all of us, each individual person, Lord, has a lot going on in their life and, you know, family members that uh, are struggling. Yet, Lord, in the midst of all of that, in the midst of this special need that's on my heart and the burden that you've placed there, we step outside to see your glory in a most beautiful day. And we have the opportunity to come and have a date with you and to meet with people we love so dearly. And Father, many we don't even know, but they're part of the family of God and your spirit just joins with them and it's just an opportunity when the people meet together to experience you. Just a little bit of heaven on this side of glory. And Lord, you've laid a message on my heart and I pray, Lord, that you would open all of our eyes and ears. Lord, really our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears that we might hear for you, from you what it is you have to say to us. It's not so much what's been prepared, it's what your spirit anoints in us. So we now give you permission to speak to us, whether we're here in this place or at home or driving or at work or whatever the responsibility or place we are. And God, I do pray that you would anoint your word wherever it's preached and give peace and give your joy in the midst of anything we face. And all God's people said, Amen. Today I speak on the topic, what you see is what you get. And um, you know, many years ago there was a popular movie. Uh, some of you might have seen it. I hope I don't bust the bubble if you hadn't, because you know now you can go and watch anything anytime. Uh, but it was called Sixth, as in Six Cents. Sixth Sense, and it had Bruce Willis was a psychologist in it, and about and there was a real cute young boy in it, great actor, and um, he was basically emotionally disturbed. You thought in the movie, and about the middle of the movie, it's a rainy night, and the boy's in a hospital, probably a psychiatric hospital. Bruce Willis is in the room, and the boy whispers to him. I'm going to tell you my secret now, because you've been trying to get the secret out of him the whole time. And the boy whispers, I see dead people. Now, uh, that sounds kind of crazy, but it's pretty unique to that movie, because guess what? Bruce Willis is not alive. And so it really was a well-directed and thought-out movie that you didn't even realize that till that point. And all... Uh, but I thought about that to say, what do you see? Because to a certain extent, what you see is what you get. I think if we truly had a condition where we saw dead people, we'd have a different perspective. I've said many times, if we could just open this up, and today's a perfect day to do that. Open it up and see heaven for just a few moments. What a joy that would be. Man, I don't know who you'd look at or who you'd look for. I'm going to be honest, I just want to see Jesus. I'm just saying, that's what I want to see. But, you know, there's family and friends that have already gone before what you see. I also heard an evangelist one time say, on the other hand, if we could split the floor open and you saw hell for just 30 seconds, it would change your life and you and I would become much more evangelistic. You think of that. So what you see is what you get. And I thought about that and I said, church, 
When you come to church, what do you see? When you're really the closest to God, what do you see? And I think what you see affects your worship, it affects your life, it affects even your future. I thought about the time, and I'm thinking it's in the Gemini days, when the cosmonauts were going around the earth one direction and the astronauts, it wasn't like they were going to hit each other, but they were going around and I can't remember if it was Armstrong, I, I, I'm so sad I should have looked this up. All you people at home be Googling it. and Don't be Googling it in here, okay? Don't do it. But anyway, the astronaut's going, I see God everywhere. Man, how beautiful it is. Just going on about creation, you know. Houston, you know how it does, and, you know, just talking. And a cosmonaut comes back and goes, I see no God. You know, he probably had to work on his English to get that, you know. But think about people looking at the same thing and seeing different, totally different perspectives. Especially in counseling, just this week working with some folks, you know when you get depressed and you get so far down and the chemicals are off and you're thinking of that, you get so where you see things so negatively that even the simplest, clearest truth gets confused. It gets hard sometimes. You know, I'm going to say this, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but being a good person who seeks God and being a godly parent is so powerful, and I want to give you a glimpse of that. Most folks have a natural perception of God based on their relationship with their earthly father. Did you know that? Now, I don't want to, def you know, I'm blessed, very blessed, and many of you I know, you know, had the privilege to know your, your parents or, or of them, and we're blessed. That's not to make anybody here who, who perhaps didn't have that think there's no hope, not at all. God is constantly recreating, amen? He's a creator. It didn't stop in seven days. He's put in 70 days on me, I promise you, one hour at a time, how about you? But I'm saying that when you think of that, how powerful that is, so a lot of times based on our parents is how we view things. Do you see what I'm saying? That comes through. If we had a father that loved us, affectionate and all, makes us easy to understand a loving God. If we had a father that pretty much was whooping us all the time, whether we needed it or not, you know, we might view God in a tough way. Does that make sense? So with all that, I just go to say, there is hope. Today's scripture is an awesome scripture. It's powerful. It's from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. And I want to read it from the New Living Translation, the latest version out of Bible Gateway. It's entitled Isaiah's, Isaiah's Cleansing and Call. It's an amazing vision that God gives Isaiah. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. 
Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I've seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. Then he said, yes, go and say to this people, listen carefully, but do not understand. Watch closely, but learn nothing. Harden the hearts of these people. Plug their ears and shut their eyes. That way they will not see with their eyes, they will not hear with their ears, nor understanding with their hearts, and turn to me for healing. Then I said, Lord, how long will this go on? In other words, this is a tough sermon. Who wants to preach that a long time? And God replied, until their towns are empty, their houses are deserted, the whole country is a wasteland, until the Lord has sent everyone away, and the entire land of Israel lies deserted. If even a tenth, a remnant survive, it will be invaded again and burned. But as a terabith or an oak tree leaves a stump when it is cut down, so Israel's stump will be a holy seed. What a powerful message. Uh, kind of covers all over the place, all around as you look at that. But I want to talk about that this morning. Such a powerful message, kind of a fearful message. I saw a while back, it's been many years ago, back when there were newspapers. Do you all remember those? They, they, they actually had people that threw them and it was a piece of paper rolled up and they threw them and, you know, it would land out on your drive and you'd go get it. Do y'all, anybody remember those days? Yeah, yeah, okay. Vaguely, okay. Uh, you can Google it. Well, anyway, uh, there was a church that wanted to grow, and I'm sure their heart was in the right place, and I'm not trying to be critical, but it basically they ran a big ad in the paper, and it said, will you come back to church? If so, we promise we won't throw the book at you. And they had somebody throwing the Bible, you know, at somebody. Uh, we believe in a loving and forgiving God. Where's what I want to say about that? There is no doubt, this is Ray Owens here, okay, talking to you. God is loving and forgiving, and there is no doubt about that. God's love is beyond anything we can begin to understand. But I also want to tell you, it better be about the book. In fact, one thing I stressed with, with the church that I pastored for so long is this. The book, the Bible, is the rule of faith. It's not Brother Ray Owens. I don't care if I've been here 20 years or 40 years. It's all about the book. And it's not what comes out of Anderson or comes out of somebody else's mouth. It's about the Word of God. Now, a lot of things are open to interpretation, but it better be about the book. And this book just gave us a pretty powerful story. And look, I don't want you to get down about this like, boy, this is going to be tough. 
It's going to be good. Go ahead. I'm going to give you a, uh, a spiritual Xanax this morning. It's all okay. It's going to be okay. There you go. Wow, 12 of you smiled. Come on, come on, smile. Look at that. No offense, don't take us wrong, but y'all are a whole lot more beautiful if you smile. Even through your mask, I can see you smiling. Okay? Your, how many of you know your eyes kind of perk up when you smile? You know? That's better. And by the way, it's healthier. You just probably saved a couple, two or three hours off your life down the road because you smiled right now. Okay? I think sometimes we lose sight of God's Word and especially this characteristic I want to preach on today, God's holiness. So what is God's holiness? You have on your outline there several things we can fill in if you'd like and the guys will put it up on the screen. What is God's holiness? And I'm so glad you asked. I know you wrote, you know, wrote that in and requested that. Is it like donut holes? You know, God's got holes in Him. Is it... Uh, like some kind of Pentecostal apostolic thing is holiness. Like I remember coming up, oh, he's a, she's a holiness gal. And that describes a look. You know what I'm saying? Or whatever. Uh, you have to wear, if you're a guy, you can't have a beard. You have long sleeves. You can't wear makeup. And I'm just going to tell you right now, and I know I'm on the internet, and it's really tough preaching on the internet. I do not like that. But... God invented makeup. I'm just saying, okay? I'm going to leave it at that. I'm just telling you. Praise the Lord. Take the gift. God invented the microwave. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. My grandfather even said God invented Coke, Coca-Cola, because he said it's the best milk a cow he ever had gave. <laughs> it was Coca-Cola. So, you know, take the joys the Lord gives us. But first of all, holiness is to be set apart and to be morally pure. That's the definition if you look it up. Holiness is to be set apart and be morally pure. So holy is what God is. God is totally set apart from sin. Think about it. He couldn't even look on his own flesh, his own son, when his son took on the, our sins. When he took on, let me not talk about you, when he took on my sins, God could not look at his son. Think about that. God's so holy, and he obviously loves us, and you know he loves himself, himself in a son form, but he couldn't even look upon it. God is indeed set apart. And holiness is his character. It's not just he can't look upon it and he's so holy. He can interact with the world, but it's still his character. It's who he is. And holy also is what God sets aside for his purpose that's not God. For instance, the temple, the tabernacle, when they would set that up, it would have a room called the Holy of Holies. And I've had been, able, been able to be in Israel. I've also been able to be in a recreation of that and see how that works. And it's so holy. You know, remember the priest when they went in had something tied to their feet. Do you know why? If it didn't go too good when they were in there, they at least could pull them out. Because you didn't go in there and get them. You remember the Ark of the Covenant? If it started to fall and you ran and touched it and you hadn't been prepared, that's not good. I'm just saying things that are set apart for God are holy. Holy ground. Y'all have heard of that. This altar is holy. This sanctuary is holy. Now it's not that it is, but it's been dedicated to him. It's a place. 
You might actually have a place in your life somewhere or in your home, a room, a closet uh, that, that's set apart, that's holy. That's what it means to set it apart, make it concentrated. Consecrated. Concentrated. Concentrate. I'm having a hard time this morning with my words. But anyway, it's set apart. And also, this is neat because God has come and given the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ. This is where the controversy comes in. Uh, many people don't even believe what I just preached and it's so clear. It's in the Bible. But this is where maybe some controversy comes in. Guess what? People, you and I, when we're set apart for God's purpose, guess what we become? Holy. It's God's holiness in us that does that. We're set apart from the world. We're in the world, but not what? Of the world. So you're very much with your, still pers your same personality, who you are, all that, but you're set apart for God. God, use this crazy personality. Use these gifts. I'm yours, and therefore we become set apart and we become holy. So people can be holy, and that's not popular today. But I'm here to tell you the vision that, that many churches preach, and especially the Church of God Reformation movement, is God's Holy Spirit allows us to be transformed by saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and being imputed with God's Holy Spirit to be set apart for Him and to be holy, to be a holy representative, to be an ambassador for God. And it's a beautiful thing. Also, holiness is God's most significant quality. And you're going to go, well, Pastor, I don't know about that. I think love is. And man, there's no doubt. I believe God is love. The Bible says it's, it's love. It's beautiful. But I want you to look at verses 2 and 3 of this text. The seraphim, these perfect angels, give us a look into what's going on. And... Uh, and what are they saying? They are saying, holy, holy, holy. And, and I want you to think about when Jesus would speak in the old King James Version, you know, they would stress it when it was something real important. Do you remember? It would be, truly, truly, I say to you. Kind of get your attention. Well, here, there's very few places in the whole Bible that it has something three times. And holy is one of them, and that's where it is. You know, we, we obviously know God is love, but it doesn't say God is love, 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 love. You know what I'm saying? God is patient. Thank you, Jesus, you're patient. Amen. I'd been zapped 75 times, you know, and some of you would have never even got the first zap, you know. You know what I'm saying? God's patient, but it isn't God's patient, patient, patient. You know, never pray for patience. You should pay me for those words from the pulpit. Never pray for patience. You're going to be in for it. I'm telling you. God is faithful. Amen? But it didn't say faithful, faithful, faithful. I'm just telling you, holiness is very important, and we don't really hear it a lot. So if God's not holy, here's the problem. All these other characteristics of love and faithfulness and patience aren't going to work because God's holiness it's out of his pureness, his perfection, his holiness, that now love comes pure. Does that make sense? Or his faith comes pure, or his patience is able to happen, is because he's so holy. So that is something that's involved in it. 
God's holiness, God's perfection sets him apart. In Revelation, at the end of the Bible, in chapter 4, right after it talks about the churches and how they are, and it starts the actual book of prophecy uh, as it goes in chapter 4, it says, the, in every one of us in heaven will be doing what most all the time? Will we be eating McDonald's hamburgers? No. Taco Bell burritos and side effects? No. We will be singing or saying, guess what? I'm going to read it to you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You want to practice it? Let's try it. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Okay, practice it once in a while because you're going to be doing it a lot. And here's the cool thing. It's a little struggle right now, but you're going to enjoy every minute of it. You're going to probably some of you go, holy, 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 holy. You know, you're going to get the spirit. You know, you're going to enjoy it. You know, and here's the cool thing for those of us my age and older. We're going to be able to move, too, without making noise and hurting so bad. I can't hardly walk on my left foot this morning. Hobbling. Thirdly, holiness is also God's most awe-inspiring characteristic. In other words, it's a real awesome awe kind of characteristic. Notice the response of the angels, the response of Isaiah. My goodness, I'm toast. I just saw God. And then the response of nature. The whole temple was shaking. Smoke. I don't know. I think it'd be cool if God showed up like that. Oh, he don't do that. Well, ask Paul. Do you remember one time he was in the jail and they were praying and worshiping in jail? Some of the best. Read the Bible in the New Testament. Some of the best worship services are in jail. Maybe we just all need to go to jail. <laughs> I never. They're in jail. Y'all know what? Do y'all know what happened? The place shook. The bars kind of shook, and the door opened. Yeah, it happens. Now, I'm not talking about big speakers who are powerful and amazing or some uh, fake shaking or electronic pulpits. I've always wanted one of those. Sister Carolyn, we're going to have to, Nancy, we're going to have to budget. And, you know, every now and then somebody's not moving, you hit it and a little shock kind of comes, you know, to kind of get going. <laughs> now, here's the problem. Everybody learned where the shocks were and they wouldn't sit there. <laughs> Although you people at home would be coming to probably see that, wouldn't you? <laughs> You'd be here to see that. Isn't it great God lets us enjoy life and smile? So Isaiah thought he was toast. He really did. And there's a reason for that. Pretty much you looked upon God, that was it. There's very few people that seen God. Isaiah through this, you know, uh, Paul, we know Moses, but there's very few folks Enoch, he saw God, walked with him, and was not. He beamed up before Star Trek, you know. So God is holy. He's powerful. And when we understand the holiness of God, what I think happens to us, if we really understand, it shouldn't be a fear. It should be an awe of him. And maybe we're a little less like, I'm going to talk to the man upstairs, me and God got this thing going on, me and the man upstairs. You know, a little nonchalant. It's more of an awe of God and respect for God. In fact, there's a song, We Stand 
in awe of him. Do y'all remember that? So what should our response be? Have you ever met anybody awe-inspiring? Now, a lot of times that's because there's something you heard about them or saw or whatever. Um, I remember we hired one time uh, a paraprofessional in our school district who had played basketball for Grambling and, um, and she was a giant. She was about 6'8 and huge. But she was the gentlest thing, you know, just so gentle, such a sweet spirit. But I'm telling you, when you come up to her, I mean, it's, wow. I mean, you just can't go, you know, you, you're going to look. It's just awe-inspiring. What should our response be to God's holiness and awesomeness of that? Well, I'm glad you asked, and we've got that on your outline. We're going to look at Isaiah as we wind this down this morning. And the first response, when we meet God today, when we have that chance, Isaiah, when he met God, confessed. So Isaiah confesses. And you see that on your outline, Isaiah confesses. He says, I'm unclean, and I live among a people that's unclean. We can't even, our lips don't even, we can't even talk right. In other words, he's humbled, he's confessing, his imperfections are clear. And here's what I want us to realize. When we recognize God's holiness, it shows us our sinfulness. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not a bad thing, but it does let us know, wow, wow. And there are times when God gives us peace due to anxiety. I've been praying for that for some people. There are times when God gives us healing due to sickness. We've all been praying for that. There's times when God gives us a warmth and a love and, and an actual presence when we're insecure or struggling with our worth or, or a failure we have in our life, and God gives us that. But there's also a time when we see God's holiness, and when we do, the cool thing is, it's like the times I've seen it, it's like you want to go to your knees. Do you follow what I'm saying? You want to go to your knees. I mean, I've been in church many times and, and, and that came upon me and I, and, and I don't want to put on a scene. I you know, try to be very careful with that and I know more eyes are maybe on me, you know, if you're the pastor or whatever. But maybe in the prayer time when everybody's eyes are closed, I've gotten down, got on my knees to pray where I'm at. Now that's getting harder now. You know, I'd have to call Randy to come over and help me back up. But, you know, I'm just saying sometimes you're moved like that. And when it's within you, I'm not talking about the physical putting on a show. I'm talking when it's really in your heart. And to give you an illustration, you see on your outline there's some scriptures in Job. Job cries out to God, tell me what I've done wrong. Show me my rebellion and my sin. You know, Job humbled himself because he was being humbled in a mighty way, but he was so open and honest with God. And by the way, when you humble yourself, God's going to lift you up. And the psalm uh, 69 says, Oh God, you know how foolish I am. My sins cannot be hidden from you. So when's the last time you fully saw God or God spoke to you or you felt the need to come to an altar or bow where you are or, or make an altar wherever you are, at home or wherever? When's the last time? Secondly, Isaiah is cleansed. So we see that Isaiah confessed, and if you want to be lifted up, 
You humble yourself and God will lift you up. You brag about yourself and that's not a good place to stand before God, I'm telling you. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. You see what I'm saying? It's an awesome formula and something to know. So secondly, Isaiah now is cleansed. Well, that's good news. You know, it's kind of a, a tough thing, but it's good news. In order to reflect the holy God that I said he comes in us, guess what? We have to be cleansed. It's going to happen. It's a re reality. And so we know what happened. There's a symbol where the seraphim flies over one of them and, um, and he touches his lips. And obviously there's probably some pain. There's some struggle and all of that. And I, I think in my spirit, what I sense is going on, it's like that Isaiah has in his heart or in who he is that things aren't right. I'm not holy. I'm not even worthy to be here. This is not good. And he's not feeling good. And when he's touched by God and cleansed, there's such a release and joy. You follow what I'm saying that comes on? Almost like if... I don't want to be gross, but like a boil or ear. I've had, back in the day, they used to lance ears. I don't even know if you know what I mean by that. But there's an infection there, and when it, it's cut, it's gone, and there's a, a, a moment of pain, but there's so much relief, and then healing really takes place. Does that make sense? I, I just thought that I would share that with you. I believe that's, that's what happens. And, and here's the cool thing. Praise God. Jesus Christ paid the ultimate pain, the ultimate sacrifice for us so that we can be cleansed. He did it for us. You know, we don't go through that. We don't have excruciating physical pain. We don't go through it. He paid the price. Even our healing comes from the beatings that he had. Read this scripture. He paid the price. That, that's awesome. His pain, our gain. And that's why I said earlier, John 1, 9, 1 John, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and to cleanse us from all wrong thing. So we go to Christ and get the cleansing. And then in 2 Corinthians, Paul puts it this way, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or our spirit and let us work toward complete purity because we fear God. In other words, there is some effort. We get cleansed, we get empowered, and we have the power, but we need to also take up that power. You know, it's like if I give you the keys to my car and you're gonna walk a long way or you can drive the car, you've gotta take the keys, you know, and go get in the car. You know, it isn't like I need to go there and we just live this life that, boom, we're beamed in the car and driving it. It's a partnership with God. I was thinking about when Jesus Christ spoke the words, Lazarus come forth, and a dead man who's been dead for three days, decaying and everything, walks out of the tomb. Notice what Jesus said when he's, he's a mummy, okay? Jesus said to the people there around him, unbind him. Even God's perfect resurrection healing of an individual, it's a partnership. And I think that's sort of how it is with you in the audience and me. 
we are part of God's kingdom and we are to help unwrap what God saves. What God brings to life, he wants us to be a part of that unwrapping. Does that make sense? So we might approach something like Martha and Mary. Lord, he stinks. And some of the people we work with might stink. Somebody might come off the street and sit on your pew and, you know, you might put your mask on for a different reason. No COVID. It might be old-fashioned COVID, you know. I think of the illustration, I think I might preach a sermon on this for too long, but uh, where Jesus is invited to the Pharisee's home and when he's sitting there, uh, a prostitute comes in, falls down at his feet and begins to weep and wash his feet with her hair and uh, uses expensive perfume that has so much significance if you study that story so much significance of her profession and, and her life and pouring that out and washes, you know, the feet of Jesus. And I think about that. And I mean, I think, like I said, we must be able to, God, help me humble myself before the Lord. You know, let me confess. Let me pour out before you. And what did God do? He, he looked at her and forgave her sins. He lifted her up. He raised her up. And that's what I want. I, I don't know about you. I want nothing more than a Jesus to raise me up. I want nothing more than Jesus to be the wind beneath my wings or what, how I sail in life. That's what I want. You know, I want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. How about you? Spurgeon, who's a very well-known preacher, in case you don't know, says, God will never do anything with us till he first of all has undone us. And I think sometimes we need to be undone. Now, here's confession. Don't say this out loud. How many of you know somebody that needs to be a little bit of undone in? How many of you are sitting next to them? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Don't do that either. I see a little wiggling. Our response to God's holiness, seeing who he is, is we're going to confess and we're going to be cleansed. I'm telling you because you're going to see who you are. I'm going to see who I am. Finally, Isaiah and us are compelled. Isaiah's compelled. In verse 8 through 13, after all this happens, Isaiah, you know, God says, man, we got a problem here and I need to send a message. And I don't think of anybody in the world want to go preach that message. I mean, that's not a good one at all. I'd like to preach the God is love, God is love, God is love, you know. But that's a tough message. And what happens he volunteers. He, Isaiah's compelled because he sees God and he's been cleansed. He sees God, he's been cleansed. And so there's a true encounter with God and you're just different. And the most unlikely thing you would do before, you're gonna do now. You see what I'm saying? You're empowered, you're, you're blessed. You've been in the presence of God and he was compelled. 
And honestly, that might take sacrifice. In fact, I was pretty impressed that Isaiah had the wherewithal to go, well, how long I got to preach this terrible sermon? <laughs> you know, that's pretty, pretty much a shocker to me. And he says, well, a long time. A long time. And, uh, and so I have on your outline Matthew 26, 39, Jesus, it says, he went a little farther, farther and fell on his face on the ground praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me, yet I want your will. Here's what I'm saying. The son of God facing what he was facing also had a tough, this is going to cost me, this is tough, and he's crying out to God. He's compelled to do it. Nevertheless, God, your will, father, your will be done. But the humanness of all of us makes us, oh my goodness, but he was compelled to do it. And then Jesus himself in Matthew said to the disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you have to lay aside your selfish ambition. Shoulder the cross and follow me. Of course, who did the cross? Jesus and follow Jesus. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will truly find it or you'll find true life. In other words, it's not talking about death and suicide and killing. It's talking about dying to self. If Think about this. You have a child. Anybody in here has a child want to publicly apologize? Sure. Okay. You have a child. If that kid, it's all about them from the first moment, especially you per mom, you bore this child. You're pouring into them. You're living your life to, you know, solve you know, help them and everything. And the first words out of their mouth when they look at you one time is, no. <sighs> and then a really cold one, ladies, is one of the first other words out of their mouth is, dad, 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 dad. <laughs> Even I got to ask God about that one. Here's what, by the way, it's easy to say dad, dad, dad. It's real hard to say mother, mommy. You know what I'm saying? You might, could, now some of you cheated and probably when they were real little you were going, mama, 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 mama. <laughs> mama, come on, come on, you can say it. And then they go, dad, dad. <laughs> but here's hope. In the midst of this sermon and this message and this being compelled, there's hope at that last verse. And it says, but the stump is going to be a holy seed. In other words, God's saying, I'm going to wipe out all these people. And by the way, if you read that, it's a lot like, if you don't think the Bible's alive, when you read that, I was thinking of the United States. They hear, but they don't listen. They see, guys, probably because our eyes are open, my Lord, you can see if you give your kids and you give everything to everybody, they're spoiled rotten. I mean, it's clear as a bell, everything we see. You would raise your kid that way. That, that, that's so clear, but they don't see. But I tell you, when I cut it all off, there's going to be a stump and it's going to have good roots and it's going to start sprouting out and there's going to be a cleansing and the whole nation is going to be restored. That's what God's talking about. So there's hope. I was reminded this week of the story where a lady was praying, oh Lord, let Billy come home and help me with the kids. The two kids are driving me crazy. I need his help. Then there was silence. God didn't say anything. God didn't say anything. and said, oh God, use Billy for your glory even if I can't have him at home. And of course that was Ruth Graham. 
I'm glad that God didn't answer her first prayer. Aren't you? I mean, he inspired probably all of us and people in other generations. She was willing to say, not my will be done, God, but your will. And it's going to work out. And by the way, both those kids turned out all right after all. You know, one of them had a little struggle. But I've had the privilege to hear both of them. And uh, they're both very amazing what God did. <clears throat> so the truest form of worship, in my humble opinion, is surrendering to God. You could be on the street and someone need a coat and you know it and the Spirit tell you to give it to them and you gave it to them. And if you surrendered to God, that is the most powerful worship. That is better than being in the, you know, in the sanctuary at Camp Pollock preaching. I'm just telling you, you can't be any better than being in the presence of God surrendering to what He asked you to do. If you're, on, if you're at Walmart in the line and somebody needs encouragement and God's Spirit tells you to encourage them, you encourage them. You see what I'm saying? If God's, somebody comes to you and says, you know, I don't know if there's any hope and you share, there is hope. If it's somebody working with you and they're so full of problems and you just tell them, look, I don't know it all, but I know who knows it all. And you share about Jesus. Is that not where it is? That's what, it, what it's all about. We're compelled. And if we think about what God's done to us and how he's cleansed us, we're compelled to tell. Amen? We're compelled to tell. When we see God, we are automatically compelled. So what's God saying to you? If you and I saw the almighty, holy God like Isaiah, what would you and I say? Ralph Brinkley, uh, who has a Divide the word, word blog, says, Holiness comes from getting the holy God into the unholy man. And so, a holy God loves you and I so perfectly, so much, that he made a way when there was no way. A holy God so perfect able to love us so perfect that he made a way when there is no way. So we see there at the bottom of your outline a scripture that says you must be holy because I am holy. There's another scripture that says without holiness no man will see God. Here's what I want to explain to you about holiness. It's not a self-holiness. It's not a self-righteousness. In fact, Isaiah said later, my righteousness as, is as filthy rags, the prophet, to God. It's not in and of ourselves. It's what Christ does through us. Amen? Isn't that powerful? So I can't be holy. You can't be holy. But God through us can allow us, if we follow this, if we're cleansed by him, we're redeemed by him, and we're compelled by him to do his work, holiness flows out of us. And you know what? It does take commitment. But it's not a self thing of denying self or putting on certain clothes or doing certain things. It's probably more knee time praying, more time talking to him, more time listening, more time seeing him high and lifted up that makes us holy. It's not the outside. Never, ever look at the outside. I know that I've been around the world. I've been in places that was way, way away. 
and I met somebody and the Spirit of God just flowed through them and it wasn't because they looked good. It wasn't because they spoke like me. They kind of, I couldn't understand them. The Spirit of God just flowed right out of them. I love the family of God. I think it's one of the most awesome gifts we have. And what I wanted to uh, share with you and bring out to you, I have a question there at the end, is holiness even possible? I think that's what we, a lot of times we think it's not possible. We have not as many as it used to be. Theology used to be a big deal. Now, man, we're just glad people love the Lord. But let me just tell you, there's a lot of people that teach holiness is not possible. And if you look at self, it is not possible. But I'm here to tell you by word, the Word of God, and you read those scriptures I gave you, and there's about 25 others I don't have time. Holiness is possible because God's done a work in us beyond anything we can imagine. And this is true. Almighty God is holy, Jesus Christ is holy, and the Spirit is called the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is holy. And when it comes upon us, it does a holy work in us. Amen? Would you bow with me? Father, in our humanness, we doubt many times. And in our weakness, we fail. But praise be to you, God, that you keep allowing us. <laughs> you reach down out of love, out of your holy, perfect love, and you lift us up. And God, when we see you, we confess, and you always restore us, God. And at that moment, we're compelled to tell. We're compelled to be what you want us to be. And God, we need, each of us need you to empower us to live a holy life. And God, when we fail to confess it and get back up and be your ambassadors. So I pray for every person in this room and each person listening right now at home that God, your Holy Spirit would not be just blown away in their thoughts, but would be adored, accepted, and even sought after to come into their life right now. And give them strength. Lord, if they've been saved and they know you as personal Savior, I know they've sensed the Spirit. I pray they pray that the Holy Spirit would cleanse them, empower them each and every day. And some days, moment by moment, to be a holy example of you. Not self-righteous, not self-holy but wholly because of you and the work you do in their life. God, encourage these people today. Let them know you know them by name. You know every thing about them, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything, and you love them, and you're here to allow them have victory in their life. I rebuke Satan and all the stuff he throws out. Lord, I pray for victory Trust as we face unknown with the power of a holy, almighty God. Thank you, God, for loving us so much and making a way where there was no way. And all God's people said, amen. One more time, if you're able to stand, please do, as we sing our closing song, Sanctuary. Sanctuary.
Well, again, thank each of you for being with us today. Thank you for coming out. If you're visiting with us, please come back. I got a couple of things. Uh, there's a list back in the back outside of Camp Pollock, some of their needs they're having. So if you would, uh, just take that. And uh, it's got a list on it that they're needing to try to get back in for the camp. Also, just uh, just remember our prayer request that we had asked earlier. And also, if you have any special requests, uh, Karen Odom, uh, she works with that, and her number is on the uh, program this morning. So thank each of you for being here. We worship a, a great God. His love for us is just hard for us to understand how much He does love and care for us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank You for this beautiful day. We thank You for the love that You have for us, Lord, and just help us as we go out these doors to share Your love. We just ask You to you be with each one here today, Lord, as we go to start this new week. And again, thank You for the opportunity to come out. We ask this in Your name. Amen.